Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Chunky Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on! From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We rollin'! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes reporting for duty here on a Wednesday night for your Thursday morning delivery. And we're excited to talk to you for the next hour or so as we discuss the latest in mixed martial arts. Be patient with us, folks. We've had a long day. We're in Southern California, still doing what we do, and that's giving you those two shows per week. And here we go. Uh, so there'll be news to discuss. Noche UFC to discuss. Still a tiny bit of fallout from UFC 293 to discuss. And yeah, maybe we'll even tell you a little bit of the stuff going on in our personal lives. So buckle up. We'll come back and we'll start the show. All right, girls. So how are you feeling right about now? I I can't remember the last time I called in sick to work, but you wouldn't have had to twist my arm right now. I'm I'm beat. We've had a really really long day, and you want to tell a story? Or you want me to tell it? I can tell it. I'll tell some of it, and then you can finish up. So last week, in a simple conversation with my mom, our mom. I just said, how's everything going? You know, uh, general question, just how's your health? Like, she struggles with some foot pain, and once in a while her blood pressure goes up. I'm talking about her mom. And she goes, well, I got to be honest with you. The other day, I actually had some really horrible pains in my legs. I go, really? She said, yeah. And I go, describe them to me. And basically... She said she had this rock-hard feeling in her calves. Soon as she said that, my heart dropped a little bit because it reminded me of Ricardo Lamas telling us why he couldn't fly home from South America because he had the same feeling. And one of the doctors, I don't know if it was the UFC doctor or if he went to a urgent care or something like that, wherever he was at, uh, I want to say it was in Argentina or Chile or Uruguay, I can't remember, he was on one of those cards. They told him, hey, this could be a symptom of a blood clot. He said he had had that pain all the way up to the fight, traveling to from Chicago to South America, and during fight week, and he just thought it was a simple calf strain, but he found out he had possible blood clot. They wouldn't let him fly home. So that stayed with me, and I told my mom to go to urgent care. She did. And they couldn't really rule out anything until she got an ultrasound. 
And so the longer each day went by and she couldn't get an appointment right away, I told girls, we just got to get down there. We got to just make things happen, wait in lines, insist, do whatever. Because she also has a big trip coming up. So that's what we did. We left Las Vegas this morning around 6.45 a.m., traveled all morning, got here, change of plans here and there with appointments. But eventually we had about a five, wait, about a six-hour visit at the ER between waiting and drawing blood and high blood pressure and waiting for a tech to arrive and then going through everything, waiting for the results, waiting for the doctor, all that shit. So, yeah, it was a really, really long day. The good thing is she doesn't appear to have blood clots. However, um, she definitely still has to look out for after herself for some other stuff that she can definitely control and get a hold of. But we feel safe that she can board a plane and go to South America like she had planned. And uh, at least that weight is off our shoulders of what happened there. And let's not forget, folks, for some of you that have listened to this show for a while, one of our listeners, Rick Budo, died because of an embolism uh, from the calf to the heart. Same thing. And he kind of went quick, I think, from what I remember reading or hearing about him. But same thing, complications with, like, uh, circulation issues. So anyway, goes kind of maybe you can give you more frontline stuff because he's the one that went in in with her to get the uh, ultrasound and do some of that stuff. I was more the guy that drove and waited in the ER. But uh, yeah, I mean, and anything you can add, goes. The day started very early. We ate maybe around eight a.m., which is at the world's greatest Del Taco, which is at Barstow in between Vegas and uh, our destination. We did not eat again until about 11 p.m. Um, like George said, we went, not only did we go to the ER, we went to her primary doctor, had them draw blood on our mom. So we kind of finagled our way in, into that so that we wouldn't have to come back the next day. Take her to the ER. She went through that madness, which was just a lot of waiting, a lot of people coughing around you. Um, and you try your best to protect yourself. Finally get her in to do her procedure. Procedure was not fun to watch. And then, uh, yeah, we left and it was so late and we, we remembered like, that's probably why we sound the way we sound. We don't have our equipment and all that. We had to record the show. And the show always must go on. So here we are now. It's 1228. And we got to do this show. And then when we're done, we have to process it and upload it and all that. Go to bed. And tomorrow we got to wake <laughs> up probably about 530 a.m. So just a couple hours sleep. And we get to do it all over again because she's got another doctor's appointment. And then our reward about a 90 minute drive too. Yeah, when we get home, uh, maybe rest up a little bit because we got to come all the way back to Vegas for another appointment. And yep. then we got to figure out how to get her back to California. And then, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just a brutal, brutal day. We're here and we're still doing our job. Oh, in between, I have a shout out to. My buddy Tommy, who some of you guys refer to as Bigfoot because you've never met him, but you've heard about him. 
he uh, his father is really really sick and he's starting to bounce back and i had some time to actually sit down with him today and, and hang out with him a little bit him and his family and yeah man i mean that almost just reaffirms even though deep down in my gut today i, I felt I didn't think we were going to come across blood clots. You still have to cross your T's and dot your I's because, you know, the things uh, he shares something very similar in his diagnosis that our mom has. And, you know, he, he was on death's doorstep and he fought back and, you know, you look at him now and he's not really the same. Um, he's getting better. Shout out to him. And uh, yeah, it's just a, it's kind of a rough day on our on our bodies and you know sort of on our minds and our soul as well yeah i agree all right well let's get back to the focus of the show and thank you all for i guess letting us just get that off uh in case we do maybe sound like we're in fourth gear instead of fifth gear today we'll try our best to pick up pick up some steam as the show goes so all I can tell you is this big fight card that took place, UFC 293. Remember, I, I'll stick to it. It wasn't a deep card. It wasn't a talent-rich card. But it didn't mean that it couldn't provide good fights, which can translate into a fun night as a fan, as a media member. And so we've now hosted a show or two between our Patreon show, Junkie Radio, Spinning Backlick, everything, listening to other people's feedbacks. And I would still say I think the big thing here coming out of Sean Strickland defeating Israel Adesanya is still what's next. And after kind of hearing everyone's opinions from other pundits, fans, Sean Strickland's coach, Eric Nixick, a little bit of Strickland and Adesanya chiming in, very little, but still, still putting some opinions out there. I think that if Adesanya insists on it, he'll get a rematch. That's not what I want. I want to be clear about that. I felt like Drikas Duplessis earned it. And I think if Drikas Duplessis wasn't ready to go to Australia, injury or not, I still think he had plenty of leg to stand on because he fought on July 8th. And they wanted him to fight on September 10th. Except it's a little bit of a different thing. If he was Brad Tavares, I might give him a pass. Or maybe start to lean towards the UFC. Here's what I mean by that. Or maybe if he was even just a fighter who fought that night in Australia but had to go home to Australia. Drikas Duplessis, you know, that you fight on the 8th. On the ninth, you, you you wake up from the fight and you basically have to travel. And like I say, I've looked into what it takes to get to South Africa. And it's about, there's many ways you can get there, but you can kind of go through Atlanta, which is about a four-hour flight from Vegas. And then from Atlanta, I believe you can take a direct to South Africa, which is about 10 or 12 hours. Some people go to London and then dip down. It's a lot of travel to get to South Africa. Then you get to South Africa, and I imagine that if after beating Robert Whitaker, there's going to be a little bit of a celebration. You still got to lick your wounds a little bit. You wouldn't be able to do that in this case, you know? And he had what appeared to be a minor injury, but a legit injury. 
Um, either way, look, I'm just going to give you as accurate of, like, of a timetable as I can. If if everything goes smooth for Drikas Duplessis, on probably the 11th, he could be in South Africa. And I imagine the coach would say, show up to practice on the 12th. And he would have had, I guess, half of July and all of August. Six weeks. Excuse me. Because the rest of the time, now you got to get your ass from South Africa to Australia. Some more long flights. And it's going to take you about a week to recover from the jet lag of America to South Africa. And then you got to go South Africa to Australia. All the while you're fighting, you know, one of the all-time great middleweights. Um, just the travel alone and jet lag, that's a lot, man. That that really is a lot. But look, he's undefeated in the UFC, 5-0, and and he beat Whitaker. That's one hell of a skin to have on your wall. Um, I, 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 I thought he was next. But let's just say that he committed the cardinal sin. He pissed off the UFC. I feel like Cannoneer, who has beaten Strickland and has won since losing to Israel in his title shot and showed up to be the alternate, kind of ticked a few boxes, I think he should be able to go next, um, which would leave Izzy and DDP out on, off to the side. And guess what? I'm not even going to bring Costa and Hazmat into it. I think they are two fights away from a title shot. So I'm not even going to bring them into it. I just think, there you go. There's your fearsome foursome right now. Um, DDP versus Izzy when they're ready. And this title fight, same card, hopefully. Uh, Cannoneer versus um, Sean Strickland when they're ready. Now, is Strickland versus Cannoneer the biggest fight the UFC can make? No, I'll admit that. But again, I'm not the UFC. So I'm a fan, I'm a media member. I just think that's the most fair of them all. And and the only one that's even more fair is, I guess, DDV, you know? But I would turn and say, hey, if you weren't ready to go on this day, then how serious is the injury? We got to circle back with you. Who knows? Um, now, remember, if you do those two, then that leaves Cannoneer and Izzy off to the side. Does that fight really make sense? Nah, if you want to see him for the second time, it's probably for a title. I don't think you need to put them in some sort of a semifinal. What do you think, goes? I mean, I honestly think there's a few scenarios you can do that. That would be fair, and that makes sense. The one thing that makes the most sense right now is it, it is it's DDP's shot, right? But we don't – that's very easy to say and for us to sit here and pretend like the UFC doesn't do these sort of things would be silly. It would be kind of a waste of time. They are not happy with him right now. And they are probably looking for ways to make him pay for that decision. It's and not- I think they are are being um, unfair. I think so too. And it's not just their it's not just a message to DDP, it's a message to the entire roster. This is what happens when you turn down fights. It's something that they want to keep going. And in this particular instance. I just don't know that they're going to reward him with that type of matchup. And at the same time, I don't know that they want to risk the fact that this fight that built up so much heat between him and Israel Adesanya 
I don't know if they want to lose out on that. Well, let's just say they give it to DDP. DDP loses. Now what? You know, is Adesanya going to just sit around? Probably not. You don't want to lose out on that fight. And that's why on spinning back click, I said, just make that fight. It, you know, I guess the punishment is it's not for a title. But keep that fight intact. Even though he's the guy that deserves the next shot. But we get it. UFC is going to do their thing. Well, at least give us that thing, that shot. Uh, and, and then as I think the other kind of news nugget, George, that that we were we were alluding to in the beginning of like things that just don't go away from the card is the sentiment towards Israel Adesanya and what's what should be next for him. But not just that, like it's hard to unpack unpack what just happened. Because a lot of you people out there are saying Israel Arasani was flat. It didn't seem like he wanted to be there. It was a bad performance from him. But there is also a minority of people who are saying, well, how about Sean Strickland? Did he not just look good? You know, he looked great. Did a really good job. His coaches did a good job. Which is it? We're all still trying to figure that out. And Israel Arasani is giving us almost no details. So it's it's tough. It, it, it's really an interesting situation where there are a lot of people in play. And I know we kind of, Costa and Hamzat do not deserve the shot based off of their records and what they've done. But we can't be stupid. We know that they love Hamzat and his road is a lot shorter than Costa's. Jared Cannonier kind of has a little bit of a claim, like George said. Uh, but at the same time, UFC is just all about money, 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 money. And Jared Cannonier just hasn't really translated to that, right? So there's different ways. I mean, I guess that's what makes the sport kind of fun. And these types of situations are where where I believe the UFC can stretch their legs a little bit and sometimes do things that maybe doesn't make sense. The problem is they do it way too often. And because they do it too often, now in this situation it's tough to be fair. It, it, it's just weird. You know, at the same time, like, all right, let's say you give Izzy his, his rematch. Well, what do you tell Aljamain Sterling? Was Aljamain Sterling not more dominant in the last two years here than Israel? Israel lost at light heavyweight. He got knocked out by Pereira. Aljamain Sterling was arguably in the toughest division of all, of all of the mixed martial arts right now. And he constantly was winning. So, Again, we all we always fall back on this this one word, consistency. It's got to be the word that keeps Dana White up at night. He must hate it because he follows none of it. Yeah, he um, he's just a victim of himself, and he tries to take it out on the media. It's what all tyrants kind of do, I guess. But see, that was more of a, well, that's in the history of the world. You know, you're thinking of dictators and monarchs or whatever. But no, this in the case, this is in the case of just a guy that calls the shots in a edgy sport. And there's not really much of a, um, mm, like a constitution that's followed or a set blueprint of a regular season and playoff. Like, you know, it basically all just kind of comes down to what they decide. And we trans, I mean, we give them that. We never argue that that shouldn't be the case. Like, it's not, it's not like we said, 
it should be taken by a vote or nothing like that. We just basically go along with that matchmaking. And then what we do is, after so many years of following the sport, you kind of try to follow the precedents of how they deal with stuff. And so we usually start to kind of hold them unofficially to that, or at least we ask about that possibility. You know, in the past you've done this, you plan on doing that. And all we're looking for is something vanilla. We'll even take that, some sort of an answer that says, hey, we're going to explore all options. Y'all will be the first to know. But no, instead we get a really crass and obnoxious president who basically uh, is can be very condescending and uh, insulting and then pretty much lets the media have it. Media doesn't have time to argue with them because they just want to get to the next question. They just take it, you know. But that's been the case with him. On fight night, he said, um, I'm interested in doing the rematch. Absolutely. Keyword being absolutely. And two days later, after Dana White Contender Series back in Las Vegas, he's having to go with the media for putting stuff out about something he said. Bro, all we did was listen to you, hit rewind, write it down, hit rewind again, listen to it again, and then just kind of make sure maybe a third time that we rewind and listen to it again and say, yep, that's the exact quote. Put it in the story, and that's it. Those were your words. But he kind of didn't like that the media or websites were painting the picture like it was a slam dunk or it was a done deal. Well, you said, yeah, absolutely. Like, that's that's the route you want to go in. That's what was printed. Anyway, um, he seems to be backing off a little bit from that right now. Still says he's very interested in uh, Adesanya versus Strickland. Won't commit to anything. And I understand. And that's probably more along the lines of how it should be. And then we can all offer our opinions on what's next. Hey, who sells the best? Who's got the most heat? Who maybe deserves it? Who's going off precedent? Whatever. And then whatever they decide, we'll go with it. But don't get pissed at us. Excuse me. Don't get pissed at us for trying to put pieces of the puzzle together. Um, anyway, it's been one big, big mystery how all this is going to play out. It's been fun to tell you the truth, listen to what, listening to opinions and watching everybody kind of make their pleas on social media. But And, and the middleweight division kind of needed something like this for a while. It was kind of a little bit of a forgotten division. But now it's it's popping. I mean, we haven't even mentioned... Marvin Vittori, Kelvin Gastelum, uh, Kapalov, you know, Hermanson. There's quite a few other middleweights that are Tavares, Weidman, you know, that, that, that'll create other matchups that lead to the title until we are down to, you know, a, a strong four, which is exactly what we have right now in DDP, Adesanya, uh, Strickland, and Cannonier, and then you know, do what other what others are to follow. And that's why with losing Pajeda recently. You know, Pajeda is one of the former yeah. champions. We lost him, but and Gasly. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, and I, bro, I didn't even mention Whitaker. How crazy is that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um anyway, we'll see how things play out for the rest of the year in the middleweight division. But I will say this there was a time when Dana White was trying to get Habib back into the sport after Habib had told him he was going to retire. Dana said that Khabib allegedly told him, if somebody can impress me at UFC 257, I will then 
fight. And the fights he was penciling in was Poirier versus McGregor, Chandler versus Hooker. The winners that night was Chandler and Poirier. Chandler defeated Hooker, first round, TKO. Poirier defeated Conor McGregor, second round, TKO. We all thought those were very impressive performances. The only thing we could say was, well, I so because the, these fights took place on January 24 of 2021. Dustin Poirier had fought Habib Nurmagomedov in September of 2019. So 18 months had gone by, and he had beaten Hooker and McGregor, and he was trying to get another shot. But then Habib says, I never said that. He basically retired. It was over. The title was vacant. And the other guy that had impressed that night was Michael Chandler. So what did Dana do? He said, it's now Chandler versus Poirier. Except what did Poirier do, everybody? He turned down the shot. He felt like Chandler hadn't been in the UFC, hadn't paid his dues, and he didn't want to fight a guy that hadn't taken the long road, I guess, like him. So what he did was he took a third McGregor fight. Granted, he was pricey in dollar bills or whatever. I, I don't know. But he declined it. And that's when the opening was created for Charles Oliveira. And if you'll recall, Oliveira and Chandler had a fight with vacant title. It was fun. Chandler, I think, 10 8 him in the first round. Beat him up pretty good. And then the second round, Charles Oliveira came back and became uh, the champ. Why am I saying all this? Because it kind of reminds me of that same situation. You didn't seem that mad at Dustin Poirier. For turning down the title fight, mm-hmm. and you gave him McGregor, and you've given him bigger, big fights since then, including BMF. So I believe Rikas Tufusi, if he just rolls with the punches or something, can kind of get what he wants. He may just not get the immediate title shot, and may have to go to Cannoneer, but he will get his title shot as long as he doesn't lose his next fight. That's the thing, you know. It's. It's weird. You beat a guy like Robert Whitaker. Not only beat him, you finish him. You look fantastic in the process. But it wasn't too long ago that we were we were all thinking Brad Tavares almost took him out. You know, we're, I still feel like we don't know what we have with with DDP. Um, I know this much. I don't know that you really point at Robert Whitaker and say he had an off night. To me, it just seemed like a great DDP that had a great plan. So there's definitely something there. Is he champion worthy? I liked his chances with Israel Adesanya. Uh, Against Sean Strickland, maybe a little bit tougher. Um, Still not too sure what we have with the guy, but he definitely deserves a chance. And you're talking about a division filled with guys who have had chances. You know, and that's what, what kind of sticks out about this cat. Yeah. Well, time will only tell. I think uh, a lot's going to happen with Izzy. When do you want to come back? Uh, do you want the time off? I, I'm sure Izzy's mixed emotions. He misses his title. He misses everything that comes with it. The prestige, the power, the money, the fame. I think just something about being the guy, being one of the big men on campus. You know, he doesn't have the title, and it's hard to just kind of go back to being a blue corner guy. It's really, really a difficult adjustment for him. Now, that's one thing I can say about Sean Strickland is the day he loses, he'll have no problem going back to being a normal dude because he's kind of stayed normal. It's only been a few days. He's kind of stayed 
pretty normal. He's trying not to make a big deal out of this at all. Almost diminishing the belt, maybe not even appreciating what he has. And that's fine. You know, maybe that's just his going to be his way of, you know, dealing with any pressures that come. Cool. He's not putting any pressure on himself by being the guy like, like O'Malley, for example. O'Malley's kind of trying to uh, direct traffic, you know. Whereas Strickland's just rolling with the punches. Strickland's got an injury on his toe. He should clear that up pretty soon. And then he wants to start helping guys get ready for fights. And I guess when it's time, you know, he'll he'll do his title defense. And that's when we'll know who's next. Not not until then, I guess. I think that's part of the reason why Sean Strickland is a champion. You guys have no idea. Just really sit back and look at your lives and see how much time is dedicated towards what people think of you, right? From what you wear, what you say, all that stuff. The car you drive. To me, a guy like Israel Adesanya is a little too consumed with that. So much so that when things don't go his way, he snaps back, right? At reporters, he snaps back at people uh, with their opinions. It dominates his life. And like George said about Sean Strickland, he could give two shits. And you don't know how liberating something like that is. The way you go out there and fight and you don't give a shit if you get knocked out or not. Right? The guy practices the way he fights. That Not having that fear, to me, is a weapon. A very, very strong weapon that, that Sean Strickland had in that fight. And I think Israel Adesanya maybe fell a little bit to the fact that, you know, oh my God, am I going to get knocked out again in front of everyone? Am I going to lose my belt? What are people going to say about me? Am I not going to be on the cover of a video game? Oh my God, oh my God. All that, it, it works against you. And Sean Strickland, as weird as he can be, and as weird as the sound, probably is that much more liberated in the way he can fight mm-hmm. and the way he operates, not having those concerns. I think that's part of the reason he's champ today. You know, it's interesting to say that because his style isn't super exciting, but people respect it because he's always marching forward. And especially in this last fight, his volume was down. Kind of just wore the other guy out by being a stalker, kind of. But mm-hmm. Strickland is so amusing and entertaining with the mic, whether it's just on a normal Monday or Tuesday at Extreme Couture and he's just doing an interview, or it's fight week and he's being followed by Embedded, or he's on the dais, you know, a bunch of other fighters and they're promoting the upcoming fight at a press conference. And I think because of that, he, it's going to be tough to boom because he's already kind of delivered what you expect on fight week, you know. So it's almost like um, he has this longer leash before me as a fan goes, boo, I just realized this fight kind of sucks because he's already kind of like um, prepped you for that night of fights. He's entertained you. He's given you a reason to back him. Maybe there's a funny T-shirt you're wearing about something he said or whatever, you know. Um, I I just think that this guy almost can become a bigger, way bigger star than he is if he has the correct guidance and cleans a few things up. And and he can still be, you know, the reckless guy on the mic that says controversial stuff. But just kind of clean up a thing or two. I think he can go a long way. I'm seeing a lot, a lot of – I mean – our interview with Eric Nixick really, really blew up. 
of course, we know a lot of it had to do with just the name Sean Strickland's attached, you know, and Eric Nixon corner Sean Strickland. It's, it's, it's an amazing story, and everything that kind of has to do with Sean Strickland is just popping right now. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Can I ask you a question? Yep. I brought up the UFC video game. On the cover of the UFC video game is Valentina Shevchenko. Mm-hmm. Valentina Shevchenko has not been champ for a few months now. Should they have put Alexa Grasso on the cover? No. Because I think it's something that they've been working on for a while. And um It's just a cover. It it is just a cover, but I feel like they've been like Valentina's skills are probably reflective of even before when she fought Alexa Grasso. So I don't think it takes a while to do it, you know, and then when it's finally done, like I don't think they go back and well, she just got knocked out, take some off her chin or whatever. You know, no, she's an instead of a ninety-two. Believe it or not, they do. They do? Okay. So EA Sports is so good about it that they'll go week to week changing things. Oh, okay. But but Enough. I'm not I'm not saying about her skill level. I'm just saying the fact that she was on the cover. Right. Could they well, have I'm maybe I'm maybe behind behind in the times, but I just feel like it was something that was decided a while back. She's Valentina, she's the former champ, but she's kind of a legend. Whereas mm-hmm. Alexa Grasso is this new champion, and this is her first title of defense. She may be a one and done. You know, Valentina might just kick her to the curb, and she might be like what GSP did to Sarah. We never heard of Sarah again, even though they were one one. Or most recently, Nunez and Juliana, kind of like, nah, that was just a bad day at the office. We'll know that in about a week or so. Um, and if that's the case, then you just kind of almost feel like we can build around Valentina because she's already iconic. She's legendary and, you know, she deserves to be on. I think I think that's just a privilege that you need to you you would need to give to at least out of the, the current fighters. Jones. Adesanya. Mm, I don't know if Leon. I think it's too soon for Leon. You could have given it to Sterling. You could. I think it's too soon for Makashev. You know, uh, you, you just kind of have to play that one a little bit different. You can't give it to Hill. You can't give it to Leon. You can't give it to um, O'Malley. Well, I don't know. O'Malley seems to be pretty damn popular. He might be next. Yes, exactly. Anyway. Last year was Masvidal and Adesanya. And I, I could see uh, O'Malley being on it. Yeah. Speaking of Grasso, she's surprised by Shevchenko's... Well, let me ask you something. Are you done with your UFC 293 talk? Is it okay to move yeah. on to the next thing? Yeah. Okay. All right. Grasso says she's surprised at Shevchenko's reaction to the loss. Almost like, mm, I made a mistake. But I'll, I shall fix it. Things will be back to normal. That's the vibe she's been given. And Grasso's like, hey, wait a minute. Did you not watch how I trained for that? There's video, video of me training, you know, you throwing the spinning back kick and me getting out of the way and then attacking, you know. Um, from the Valentina shot side, she says, quote, I have no choice but to show Grasso mercy. She doesn't like talking about the fight. She says she saw it back in March when it happened. 
She feels like she's already dealt with it and she's made the adjustments and now she's going forward. Well, what I liked goes was that she looked like she regained her killer instinct and she, you know, wants to rectify everything here uh, this Saturday. It's interesting. I think um, that is a very dangerous Valentina Shevchenko. But there's one thing that I think she's counting out. And it's something that could maybe even apply to Israel Adesanya a little bit. This this fight here, I think we were all surprised Alexa Grasso won. Um, I think we're all surprised she got the finish. But we wouldn't have been surprised if the fight were close. And I say that because Valentina hasn't necessarily been running through people. She's had, she's lost a couple rounds here and there. She's finally starting to look a little human, Mm -hmm. right? Her old adversary, Amanda Nunes, she suffered a loss. Like she eventually slowed down. Mother time or father time or whatever you got to want to call it. You got to start slowing down at some point. And that might just be part of what happened to Valentina. Maybe a little bit, you know, she, seem indestructible for so long and then she got that knee injury right mm-hmm. little by little she might have that killer inside of her but her body might not be responding the way it should that's in mid-30s like israel as well yeah it's something you gotta look out for and so i love that her mind is in the right place but your body's gotta match so i think this fight is gonna be a lot closer this time around still have valentina winning but uh, I don't know that it'll be that easy. Another thing Valentina said was, I was winning rounds one through three. And before whatever happened in four, I felt good about what was happening in round four. I don't disagree with her. She is mid-30s like Israel Adesanya. She's a lifelong martial artist starting at age five. I don't know if maybe her body's also telling her, hey, you got a lot of miles on this body. Between Muay Thai and now MMA. You've been dancing. Being a jet setter, like, you know, you're kind of nonstop. Now she's not a wife nor a a mom. So she kind of doesn't have that distraction. But still, uh, I don't know. I, I still feel like she'll come back and beat Alexa Grasso. The question is, does she put a beating on her so bad that we feel like she just did get caught in the first fight, and we know we don't need to run back a third. Or if it's pretty damn close, who knows? I I know the UFC would love to go to a tri- with a trilogy to Mexico, and that'll suck for um, Aaron Blanchfield, Manon Fioron, Macy Barber, uh, anyone else in the flyweight division that is making noise or feel like feels like they're you know, getting close, that, that, that'll kind of create a little bit of a logjam, which is kind of what DC was saying about going back to the Israel Adesanya situation. He doesn't deserve a rematch. Let's let the division breathe. Let's create a few new matchups. And then we'll throw that person right back in the mix. but we'll let them go out and, and win another fight, you know, and, and, and let's, let's let Strickland train for someone else. You know, in this case, I guess it would be Cannonier or Duplessis or whatever whatever it is that they decide. And I think something similar could happen here uh, if Valentina smashes. Yeah, I could see that. But if it's close, I could see them going to, I mean, I think uh, early, earlier than later next year in Mexico, right? 
That's a huge fight that's awaiting that country. And right now they only have one world champion. It's Alexa Grasso. But by Saturday, they might be back to no champs, having lost Brandon Marino and Yair Rodriguez earlier this year. Rodriguez tried to unify with Volkanovski and came up short. Marino lost to Pantoja. So only Alexa Grasso is a uh, world champion from Mexico. I, I don't think they can afford that if Grasso gets Fashvashenko for her to not take her next fight in Mexico. It doesn't have to be on Cinco de Mayo. It doesn't have to be on September 16th. It just needs to be in Mexico. Yeah. Kevin Holland said something interesting. He said, who does Jack Dalla Madalena think he is? I would have gone to Australia to fight him if the UFC had taken care of my taxes. But it didn't appear like they wanted me to fight him that bad because they didn't want to pay for my taxes. So I elected to fight him here. And no one else felt like De- Della Madalena was a big enough name to go down to Australia. It was pretty interesting smack talk coming from the Trailblazer. Uh, but either way, this fight's here in Las Vegas. It's on this card coming up on the 16th. What are your thoughts, goes? You think Kevin Holland goes for his third win in a row? Or does Madalena... Take out the American. I like uh, Madalena, Della Madalena, a lot, but I think I've underestimated Kevin Holland, and uh, I'm finally ready to get on that bandwagon a little bit more. I'm gonna ride with with Kevin Holland, but I do think what was interesting about that stance, you know, it's funny he's nicknamed the Trailblazer. He might have been a Trailblazer for something a little different, right? Like. Who would have thought that a fighter would maybe lay that down as an option? Oh, you know, I'll the, go. The taxes? Pay, yeah, paying my taxes. Yeah. And we've seen Dana White do that before for certain fighters. And uh, that, that's that got to be a turnoff, you know, fighting overseas in different places is having to, to get hit with the double tax. Who knows? You know, it seems like it might have worked out in his favor this time. But who knows if that's something that maybe gets asked for a little bit more. Yeah. Well, we've referenced this fearsome foursome fight of Vera versus Shogun and Machida versus Vader. In the last week, we talked about it a few times about how unofficially there was a four-man tournament in the light heavyweight division, and those four went to war, and whoever whoever was going to impress was going to get a title shot. That same fight card goes, or sorry, those two fighters, Shogun and Machida, who won on that particular night, which was like a UFC on Fox night, when they fought and Shogun won, Dana told them, hey, great fight. Um, I can't remember if he gave him a bonus or not, but he said, hey, guess what? I'm going to pay your taxes. And this is, an, I think the fight was in LA. And Shogun gave him a look, kind of like, hmm, you know, like, almost like he didn't understand. Just a nod with a half a smile, and then Dana told him, "I don't know if you realize what I just told you." He goes, "I just gave you about a hundred thousand dollars. I'm paying your taxes." You know, I think when he spelled it out that way, Shogun then kind of started to go, "Oh, thank you." You know, even I still am not convinced he knew what the fuck he was saying, but Dana was kind of making it look like, "Hey, bitch, you better give me some sort of a reaction here for what I'm doing." Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. 
So more of that. Great job, Kevin Holland. Stand up for yourself. The money's there for sure. And other fighters, take notes. Pay attention. You might have a chance to flex like that. It can go a long way. Um, Bellator 301 has, was announced. And they got two title fights. And it's just a few weeks after Bellator 300, which has four title fights. But there you go, Bellator. Even, even the fights that aren't for a title are still pretty nice. Like, if Bellator would just make their cards like this, I'm telling you, it's a fun night out, man. Here's what they got. They got Yaroslav Amosov versus Jason Jackson. And in the Coleman event, it's Sergio Pettis versus Patchy Mix. So Amosov defends his welterweight title. Pettis defends his bantamweight title. Um, now his will be a title unification because with him being hurt, Pettis, and out of that Grand Prix, they had to create an interim title, which was held by Drayfion Stotts until Patchy Mix beat him. So Mix brings his interim title versus Sergio's undisputed title, and they will unify. So that's a second title fight. Then you got a semifinal matchup between Patricky Frady, who just won in Japan in the last quarterfinal matchup. He fights Alexander Shabli. And then you also have Danny Sabatello, that big mouth Italian guy who's pretty funny. I'm a fan against Raytheon Stotts, the aforementioned Raytheon Stotts. Solid one through four, isn't it? Really good. And it's, you know, more than more than lately, or sorry, more than in the past, you find Bellator announcements and PFL announcements, and you almost have to compare them. And so you, I feel like PFL maybe had been getting the best of them with a couple here and there. But here you go. I mean, you know, PFL on their side, they announced Kayla Harrison against Julia Budd. To me, that fell flat. This Bellator announcement was a lot more funny, uh, a lot more funner, a lot more eye-catching. I looked at it, double-taked a little bit. Wow, that, that actually looks really good. Yeah. It's if this is their swan song and Bellator is going to end anytime soon or be absorbed by another company or a merger or whatever it is, they are going out in style. I don't know if maybe this is them appealing to a new network because I've heard behind the scenes that maybe the Showtime run has ended as well with mixed martial arts. I mean, they, they did walk away from boxing at one point. So maybe they're trying to recourt Showtime or maybe they're looking to show their legs off a little bit to another suitor. I don't know, but I I commend them for giving us such a f- great fight card. 300, if you'll recall, is Usman Nurmagomedov, the lightweight champion. He fights, um, is it Brett Primus? I think so. Chris Cyborg versus Kat Zingano. Ryan Bader versus Linton Vassell. And... Liz Carmouche versus Elima Lee McFarlane. Four world title fights. So that one's on October 7th. And then 301, Bellator 301 is on November 17th. That one's in Chicago, Illinois, if I haven't said so already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Maybe it is a going out of sale or going out of business sale. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. 
What did you think of Dana White contender series? Five contracts. Dana White seemed pretty happy. He was buzzing, even though he had just gotten back from Australia. He, you know, he was all about it, and he was giving his honest opinion that this was one of the funnest or not the best Dana White contender series ever out of 62 episodes. Yeah, I mean, I don't fault him. If if you have five fighters that really go out there and impress, fine. You know, okay, five contracts. But I'm starting to ask myself, at the end of the day here, if we're giving out this many contracts, then maybe the theme of the show has changed. You know, and remember, these are all like guys that would be main events at Titan, at RFA. Uh, You could still kind of accomplish what you're trying to accomplish here throughout, through doing things through those organizations. So has this just become a show now? Like, are are we just kind of like trying to pretend like, do do these guys have what it takes to be here? I think we're past that. I feel like now you look at every fight. Oh, they know like center series. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. you look at every fight and you go, yeah, absolutely. These both guys, you know, winner and loser, most of the time look pretty decent. Uh-huh. I think it's just just an excuse to hold fights now at this point. Could be, or they're playing defense and don't don't want another organization to scoop them up, so they just kind of tie them up. Once they're here, they're happy to that where they're with us. And then they're just going to have to wait the call. Six months might go by in between fights. Who knows? But, hey, you're with the UFC. Um, I Sometimes I think that's what it is. They just don't want someone else to sign them. So they're willing to give them the developmental contract or just give them a contract and then put them on the shelf for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But we're halfway through. Dana White Contender Series Season 7. can't believe I'm saying that. Season 7. Holy shit. Yeah. It's only once a year, guys. It's not like... Uh, you know, they doubled up in the winter or nothing like that. But these are open to the public. I don't know how easy of a ticket it is to score, but it is open to the public. I think you just have to either buy a fancy seat or somehow get in touch with their public relations and maybe give them a cool story. And you can go down there and check out the fights. Every seat in the Apex is really, really, really good. So... I recommend it. I'm just saying that in case some of y'all did not know it. Okay. The only other thing I wanted to talk about before we go is on Noche UFC. Look, they've done September 16th for a long time. But here in Vegas, it's been a pretty big deal. Do you think that Noche UFC really, really should be in Mexico? Or you kind of find that it's here the way boxing has had success with it here? Yeah, I actually think it, it should be here in Vegas. I think it's uh, it's a cool little tradition. You know, Mexico has a lot of traditions on their Independence Day. Um, but I, I think for some, I, I, I don't know, it just it feels better here in Vegas. I, I like it that way. Me too. And a lot of Mexican fans used to make the journey across the border for boxing matches. I think maybe they will do that for MMA. Who knows? Because MMA is new. It's new everywhere. So I'm not sure Alexa could pull 
you know, that crowd. But see, September 16th is just a great weekend to be in Vegas to begin with, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, now I'll toss in the fact that there might be a fight, even better. But for years, it kind of became the place to be because uh, a lot of Mexican fighters were featured. But if you'll recall, at some point, Floyd kind of just took over those dates. Sometimes mm -hmm. he was fighting on Mexican, but sometimes he wasn't. But he realized that was just a good pool for those days. March 5, September 16th. Kayla Harrison returns in November at the 2023 PFL Championship. She's going to fight Julia Budd, a former Bellator featherweight champ. And let me stress, this will be at featherweight. So this season, the women's uh, the women's division has been featherweight now that Kayla's out. They're fighting at 145 instead of 155. But when Harrison does return, she will return to 145 to fight bud so pretty cool yeah and and you know what i think in the long run it's going to be a better thing for kayla but i do think it will affect her a little bit i think she's got to get used to that what do you mostly, mean mostly i think uh power is going to go away a little bit you know strength maybe yeah i could see that I could see that. Do you think she can handle that? The lack of power? I think she can, yeah. Cause she's an Olympian. And we know what happened the last time an American American was stripped of her power. Mm -hmm. Um Kayla losing to Harrison, she was able to applaud her say something nice about her and start the process of dealing with it and shaking off the loss. Rousey got lit. Remember she got completely removed from consciousness. Yeah. And she basically didn't never dealt with that loss. Well, uh, honestly, you know, well, according to her, it never happened. I know that's a ridiculous. Thing. Did you see Bryce Mitchell tweeting on tweeting or posting on, 9-11 about how that whole thing is a, a conspiracy in itself as well. Yeah. Oh, some of these fighters, man. Uh, uh, the, the evidence they present is just really, he said, she said. It's really, honestly, the equivalent of that. Um, okay, if I haven't said it, there were five contracts at the Dana White Contender Series. Jonathan Denise, James Yontop, Stephen Wynn, Julia Polastri and Jean Matsumoto. So fun night of fights. Two of them are undefeated. One's a female. We have uh, you know, a little bit of a striker, a little bit of a grappler. It was just really, really a pretty solid card. Yeah. All right, folks. So listen, we're gonna cut it a little short. Thank you so much for tuning in. Yes, yes, we know WWE, UFC, they ring in the New York Stock Exchange bell, opening bell. They're now kind of, I guess, official. And they're trading at about $101 per share, in case anybody's curious. They say they plan on helping each other. There's a few articles there on how some fighters may explore, you know, at the end of their career, moving over to WWE. Well, we'll see. I mean, you can't argue with the UFC success. WWE seems to bounce back, despite all of their controversies, too. And then Endeavor, which owns both, uh, obviously is just kind of killing it. And a lot of it has to do with combat sports. So it's going to be hard to fail. 
tell you the truth, but this is a publicly traded company now, and you can go out and you can buy shares. And again, last I checked, it was like 101, 102. Anyway, folks, thank you so much for tuning in. A couple quick reminders on the way out. Goes and I do host Spinning Back Click every Monday. It's normal time. is noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. But for the next uh, month or so, it'll be one hour earlier, LA 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. The reason is, is because the Dana White Contender Series weigh-ins are pretty popular, and they go at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Mondays because they fight on Tuesdays. So we figured we'll do our thing and kind of throw it to that. And once that runs over, we'll be back to our normal start time of 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. And then, of course, this show drops twice a week. You can catch it here on the website or go to Omni or any of your other favorite places to catch podcasts like Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. And, yes, for UFC, well, no, I shouldn't say that, no. I just want to make sure dies are audited, or dotted and T's are crossed and Q's are squiggly. But, you know we're pretty consistent with us. The next watch along, I guess it'd be October 21st, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And should be a fun time with Islam Makashev defending against Charles Oliveira. This is basically them running it back. And Oliveira didn't seem too interested at first, but everything got settled, everything got signed. So that one will be going down in Abu Dhabi, and it's UFC 294 on October 21st. So watch along for that. Make make note of it. Remember, Shemayev and Costa are also on the card. So are Alex, Alex Karov and Nasruddin Imovov, whom Sean Strickland beat after losing back-to-back fights to Pahaya and Cannonier. Anyway, oh, Johnny Walker against Magomed Ankalaev. That should be good, too, guys. That'll be fun, yeah. Mohammed Mokayev against Tim Elliott. They're stacking this card nicely. I love it. Folks, enjoy your weekend. Go out and be a champion. We'll talk to you soon. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.